I had great tee shot, hit it to like 15 feet, made the putt for birdie, and I literally had tears on my eyes, uh, even now. <laughs> And welcome back, welcome aboard. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. It's just me this week. We've got a really special episode for you guys. But in case you're new, we help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with anyone from a PGA Tour Pro, LPGA Tour Pro, like today with Maria Fossey, sports psychologists, golfers like you and me and more, to help you stay on track, stop riding the struggle bus, and finally enjoy the ride. This episode of The Part Train, like every episode of The Part Train, is presented by our friends at Roback Activewear, and my wife is swooning over their new women's line, okay? I know this is a lot of guys that listen to this show, but a lot of you guys have important women in your life, whether it's girlfriend, wife, friend, neighbor, mom, aunt, whatever it is, they have taken the quality, the stretchiness, and the style of their men's line, and they finally poured it in to the ladies' side, okay? I'm talking skorts, active dresses, hoodie and jogger sets. They've got it all. My wife is obsessed. So talk about an amazing gift to get your lady something that she won't want to take off and she'll want to wear in every situation. It's so versatile. So go to rowback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. Or if you forget that code, just tap the link in our bio on, on Instagram at the part train. You'll see a little get 15% off link. Tap that. It'll auto apply in your cart. All right, so this interview with Maria Fossey was a really special milestone for us and me personally. With our partnership with TaylorMade, they basically gave us the opportunity to come to the JM Eagle LA Championship, the LPG event at Wilshire Country Club here in LA and come interview Maria Fossey on site. So I got a media pass. It's our first media credential at a tour event. Pretty sweet, pretty big deal for us. And I got to sit down and talk to Maria Fossey, one of the longest players on tour. A lot of people know her for her amazing run at the inaugural Augusta Women's Amateur, where she finished runner-up. And she had basically burst onto the scene. And now she is sponsored by TaylorMade and rising up the ranks on the LPGA Tour. So this episode was really special because... In person, you get to get to another element. She gets emotional at one point. We get vulnerable. We get real. We talk about things that you would think someone as good as she is wouldn't feel, wouldn't think about. And I think you guys are going to really relate to this and finally realize that whatever you go through, they go through it too. So I dug as deep as I could for you. I tried to get inside her head and pull out little nuggets that all of us can take to our game, just like I do with every episode. But with this being in person is a little extra special. So definitely stay to the end. I think you guys are really going to love this. And if you do love it, do us a solid. Throw us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It means a lot. It's all we ask. Give us a follow at The Par Train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I post content there multiple times a day, every day on every channel to try and help you stay on track and enjoy the ride. So no matter how much doubt you have over a shot, no matter how uncomfortable you feel, no matter what you think someone else might think of the previous miss you hit on the last shot. Just enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Maria Fossey, welcome aboard Thank the Partray. Pleasure to meet you. So excited to be here with you today. Yeah, excited. It's awesome. So before we talk about Maria, I wanted to know how Frida and Willis are doing. They're awesome. And They're, how are they? Li how are they liking life on the road? They they seem to be okay with yeah? it. Yeah, they uh, they're here with me this week. They probably come to like 80, 90 percent of our tournaments. Yeah. Uh, in the states, I guess. Yeah. Overseas, I haven't taken them yet, but you know, I, I wouldn't put it past me. <laughs> what is that like? I'm is it, so these are her dogs, by the way. Yes. Um, what <laughs> no are the breeds? Kids, but dogs. Uh, Cavapoo. Okay. Yeah, so King Charles Cavalier and Poodle, and they're just like so sweet and just a, yeah, just great addition to the team, good company. I always say they don't, you know, they don't care if you just won a tournament or came dead yeah. last. They're going to wag their tail when they see you walking through the door. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely keep, I don't know, just more relaxed vibe for when I get back to the hotel or to the house uh, during the week. So it's, it's a So who's watching the dogs when you're practicing and playing? They, they stay on their own. They're good? Yeah, I just put like rain sounds on the background. Oh, and nice. Yeah, they'll, 
you know, do some meditation my or brother, something. My brother just adopted a dog recently and literally subscribed to like a dog TV channel. Yeah, yeah. To entertain him so, when yeah, he's gone. Yeah, I just, yeah, keep them, um, you know, with some food, toys and yeah. stuff like that. And they're good at like not needing to go outside for for a few hours. So sounds nice if, and low if maintenance. If I'm staying, yeah, with, with a friend and she's, you know, going to the back to the Airbnb before I am, I'd just ask like, hey, just let them out or something. But uh, yeah, they nice. just, yeah, live the life. <laughs> well, I just told you before we started that I went to Mexico City for the first time in February. Oh, no. And I feel like of all the cities I've been to, people are most passionate. People that have been yeah. are most passionate about Mexico City. So I want, before we dive into your game like and everything, that. what do you think, if someone only has one day in Mexico City, hmm. walk them through the perfect day. I think you, you have to just have like, so many of the hotels, like, I don't think it really matters where you stay, but, like, their buffets are just so good. Yeah. Like, you always have, like, a quesadilla stand and, you know, like, an egg stand and so much great fresh fruit and juices and stuff like that. So I always, like, my days really revolve about, around food. So yeah. your trip to Mexico is going to be very much well, revolving I around didn't realize, food. I didn't realize it's such uh, an amazing place it to is, get food. Yes, it is such a good spot. And so that's where I would start. You know, you just have a big old good Mexican breakfast. And then honestly, it's just like walking around. There's, there's a lot of uh, very cool, like, historic sites around, like, the historic, like, downtown area and the cathedral and museums and just art and the cool thing is everything's kind of within walking distance so you can still you know just do a bunch of little things or just see some of the monuments from the outside and not necessarily have to transport and to go from one to the other so just I, I love doing that and uh, like I was saying food's so good like I like street tacos or you know like you get street corn and I love that as a snack, you yeah. know, like mid-afternoon or something like that. For sure. And Do you have a favorite restaurant a, to send people? Um, depends on, like, if, if you want to do something, like, authentic. There's this, like, bar slash restaurant um, that's been around for years. And it's owned by the same people. And it's called Cantina La Veinte. Okay. So Cantina is, like, another word for bar in yeah. Spanish and they are amazing like just the ambiance and the drinks and the food it's a good spot and like they're open till late so you know you can stay after dinner and like have a few drinks after that as well and just kind of enjoy your time with friends and it's a good spot and they're all they have a few locations now but they're all kind of near some historical site as well and okay. those are pretty cool at night as well just with the lights and stuff so I mean, I think there's a lot of history in, in Mexico City, and I like history, so that's kind of food yeah. and history for me would be a, a great trip to Mexico City. Okay. Yeah. I went to the famous churro place. Yes. What is that called again? Yeah, you're it's putting me the, on the spot. It's the white, white yeah. and blue font. No, I know exactly we'll where it is, too. We'll have to look it up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just look up churros when you're there, yes, and it'll be the top awesome. of the list. 100%. Yeah. Perfect taco. What's in the perfect taco? Street taco, just al pastor. Al pastor. They give you like mini tortillas, usually two tortillas, some al pastor meat, onion, cilantro, and just like lime, salt, and a good salsa. And simple. It is so good. Yep. You can have five, six, seven. I don't six, understand people that don't like cilantro because it kind of makes the taco. It does, just a little bit. Like yeah. you know, you don't need a whole lot, but yeah. but enough just to give it, yeah, like a fresh taste. Simple, the simpler the better, I think, when it comes to like proper Mexican tacos. So I was digging into your game and you as a person, and I was trying to figure out the best way to kick off talking about the way you play the game. <laughs> and I found a quote that I think sums it up, but you tell me <laughs> how <see>. spot on <laughs> it is. So Mark Kalkovecchia said this. Yeah. He said, hit it hard, it'll land somewhere. I like it. <laughs> Do you connect with that mentality or how much does that describe your game and the way you play? I think so. I mean, in, in ways, of course, but I think that this day and age, like length is, is such a big thing and it's such an advantage and it's something that players are constantly chasing. You know, you see it with Rory McIlroy was at 
peaking last year and he was still trying to hit a little bit further, right? Yeah. And, and you see a lot of the girls out here just working hard in the gym or working extra hard with their swing coaches just to make sure they can get a little bit extra. And and I think for me, like it's it's an advantage, I guess, just to have that uh, I'm I'm already long to, to begin with per se. And and it just gives me more options. I think that's the coolest thing about distance is that Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, you know, hitting a drive 300 yards like I you know it's it's great but then I can also hit a three wood that goes 260 270 and I'm gonna hit more fairways with it and I'm still plenty far so like I can kind of have more options play different types of games and I, I definitely like to you know just swing hard and, and see what, what happens from there I think the closer you are to the hole the easier it is to get it in so yeah. I, I think it definitely helps the interesting thing that I've learned from interviewing many players on LPGA and PGA Tour and really high-level amateurs and just really good players overall is swinging aggressive to conservative targets because mm -hmm. obviously everyone talks about your length and I know you've said before you're a fierce player you like to rip it mm -hmm. um, but how much does that ring true to you yeah like how conservative do you think you play from a course management standpoint mm -hmm. even though you're ripping it hard with yeah. your swing. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you still have to play play smart. You know, you can't just be reckless out here, especially at, at the level we're at right now. Like, if you get reckless, like you're definitely gonna have to pay. You know, for for some of those shots that you try to take on, and and they don't necessarily turn out the way you want, and and you're gonna be in, in trouble more times than not. So I think yeah. that's kind of why I was saying, like, while I definitely like to just swing hard and hit it hard like I think you, you do have to be smart and um, you know just manage your way around golf courses and, and honestly there's some golf courses that like here in LA like you, you don't have so much room you know to build a yeah. golf course so there's there's some quirky holes and whatnot so yeah. sometimes hitting it 300 yards is not what you need you know you need something a little bit further back and, and kind of figuring it out from there so I think yeah you just kind of have to learn how to dance with it, I guess. And, uh, but, but definitely my, my essence is, isn't hitting it hard. And, and honestly, I don't, I don't really want to lose that. Yeah. What would you say to amateur players that struggle with playing defensive, playing tentative, obviously, you know, amateurs versus pros, we're seeing more extreme misses mm -hmm. maybe than a pro more often, obviously. Yeah. And therefore sometimes it's hard to swing hard it's hard mm -hmm. to commit mm -hmm. have you ever struggled with that of feeling tentative and what would you say to the amateurs that struggle with that too yeah i mean i think you know if, if you're swinging hard and you get a couple like big slices or a pull or whatever yeah the next time you tee it up you, you start to get a little bit more nervous maybe or your grip gets tighter you get tense like so i i think it's definitely something that happens on our side as well even more times than than people would think almost you know i think it's it's definitely something that at least for me it's it's happened before several times and and i think i always try to go back to like like yeah you're swinging hard but at the same time like you have to maintain good tempo and like you can't just get super quick like it has to still have a rhythm right like it can be aggressive and but but you definitely you know like have to give your time to get to the top to have a good coil and then you can kind of go mm. from there so i i always try to remind myself to like kind of what happens coming down you can go as hard as you can but on the way up like you definitely mm. have to just give yourself a little bit of time but i i think for me for like advice i guess for for amateurs in in being a little more conservative like i i definitely encourage it like i think i joke with my caddy and my team and i just say like you know easy pars have never hurt anybody like I mean, you're on the par if train right now. You know, yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, so if you're if you're making pars, you're gonna be okay. And yeah. and if you hit a, a couple close, you know, you're you're gonna be able to maybe sneak in a birdie here and there. But yeah. but I think for for amateurs, like if it's not a par and it's a bogey, well, that's still better than a double bogey. You know, it right. takes less to recover. And right. I think sometimes we we think too highly of ourselves and try to hit the perfect shot and. Sometimes it's better to just kind of take the easy route out and 
make a bogey, make a par, and you know, just kind of take it on on the next hole. How many perfect shots do you think you hit per round on average? I mean, three to five. Three to five? On like a good day? Yeah. I think like Hogan it, said something very similar. Yeah. We hit so many great golf shots, don't get me wrong, but I, I think to me a perfect shot is, you know, one that comes out exactly as you had pictured it in your head. Right. The ball does what you want it to do once it lands on the green and all that stuff. And I think if you have five of those around, you're playing very damn Feeling good. good. <laughs> <laughs> so then if you are feeling tentative or your grip starts to get tight, like you mentioned, what is one of your keys that you go back to? It sounds like tempo and rhythm. Yeah, I, I kind of sometimes like I'll even just turn my driver around and hold it like by its head. Oh, interesting. And just have like a very light uh, club and, and just kind of hear for the sound of the shaft like like at impact and not before not after like mm. and just kind of getting a feel for like what that looks like and I'll, I'll do that sometimes like on like the more technical side but but for me like just anytime that I'm getting very tentative like I try to like tense my body a lot and, and then it. just like have a big release mm. afterwards and just kind of try to again just gain some of that feel back again with my hands and relax my body a little bit more i find that very helpful interesting you're gonna see all these amateur golfers swinging their driver yeah 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 I'll be, I'll be like, okay i know where you got that from <laughs> yeah. um all right i got a fun question for you complete this sentence okay i play my best golf when i'm having fun interesting yeah, that was okay. a quick one yeah i yeah if i'm you know, have a good group of girls or with like with the caddies and we're just like giggling and just enjoying ourselves. I definitely play my best. Like it's funny you say that because yeah. Chris Nagel, who was like the Monday qualifier king last year, yeah, qualified in like four straight PJ Tour events, wow. uh, made the US Open. He said to us, he's been on the show a couple times, he's from my own hometown in St. Louis. He said if he, he can have fun he has a better chance to play well. Yeah. Versus if you're waiting to play well to have fun. To have fun, 100%. Then you're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which I think a lot of amateur golfers would might maybe be surprised to yeah. hear that because, yeah. you know, you guys can hit, it seems like, any shot, you know? And yeah. I was having breakfast with one of the caddies today and he's like, okay, like if you win the lottery, like a big, 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 big purse, like, I don't know, like, Five hundred million dollars. Like, yeah. would you still play professionally? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. You know, yeah. I'm like, I, I love this. I have fun. I was like, maybe instead of playing thirty tournaments, I would play fifteen or yeah. whatever, or just the ones that I like. Yeah. But I would definitely play. And he's like, like that's so awesome that you think that way. Like he's like, yeah. I've asked a couple players, and every one of you guys had said, yeah, one hundred percent. And I think it goes back to that. Like I think if if you just have fun being out here like i think you, you have a better chance of staying out here yeah you know compared to having to lose your card and be so f frustrated with that and so nervous and so anxious yeah like i think if we learn to just have a little more fun out here yeah. and it's funny you say that because our mission is helping frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again yeah so it's about that i love that type of thing yeah um but the funny thing is is it's i've noticed that it's very counterintuitive where especially mini tour players and mm -hmm. trying to get status and playing in a tournament or even an amateur golfer playing in a member guest or whatever, yeah. it, like the emotion and the tentativeness that comes with it mm -hmm. feels like the truth. Yeah. Because you so it is true that you need to play well to yeah. get this. Yeah. But I think what I keep coming back to is this idea of like productive thinking, not positive thinking. Mm -hmm. Of like, yeah, but does that holding on to yeah, what's the that result, giving to, is yeah. it giving it you a benefit? better chance yeah. to get it? Yeah, for sure. And if the answer is no, then... Yeah, what are you doing? Then why are yeah. we keep leaning into that, yeah. right? And that's like, like with my psychologist, like that's something that she says all the time. Like, you know, there's several things can be true at the same time. Like you can be frustrated, you can yeah. be playing bad, you can be wanting to do better, you can be, you know, trying in at your best at the moment and all these things and at the same time like 
if you just choose to hold on to like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm playing like crap today or I'm doing this or I'm like, is that giving you anything, like you said, you know, to achieve what you want to achieve? Well, right. no, then, you know, let's drop that and let's try to focus on something that might not even get you what you want, but it gives you a better opportunity, you yeah. know, to, to achieve that like end goal that, that you want, whether it's, you know, breaking yeah. 80 for the first time or winning at the member guest or making yeah. a cut or finishing top 10, whatever it is out here, winning a tournament, like, and that's a crazy and beautiful part about this sport because it is so easy to be said. And I feel like everybody at this golf course right now, like knows these things, right? Like yeah. we know that that's not helping you, but, but then when you do. get out there, it, it is a challenge. And I think that's, uh, yeah, what keeps all of us coming back. Right. <laughs> And it might be really easy one day. Yeah. It might be really difficult the next. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the flip question. I play my worst golf when I think too much. Yeah. If I'm and is if that I'm swing in my related, head, shot related? Swing related, if I'm like kind of focusing on a lot of things. Anytime that I play good, like I'm having fun and like it's all fast. Like it's all like because I know you're I not a numbers to, person. You're yeah, more of a feel player, field right? Play. Yeah, so like I'll talk to my caddy, we get a number, and then, you know, I just pull off a club and like I just hit. Yeah. Like my routine's not rushed by any means, but like it's just, there's there's no thinking. It's yeah. all just very intuitive, very just connecting with the shot, connecting with the hole, connecting with like what the slope, the lie, everything's kind of trying to tell me. Yeah. And then, you know, when I play my worst is any time that I'm, trying to read into the lie and think okay like balls above my feet it's gonna want to go left or anytime that i start to get like too analytical whether that's about my shot about my swing about what's happened in the last three holes like it just all goes to shit. <laughs> so is that a fine line for you of not moving too fast and not losing focus but still being intentional about what you're trying to do but just commit to something and go? Yeah, because I, especially as, as a professional, like you have your caddy and like, they, they play a huge role in, right. in what we do. You know, like they, they provide a lot of very valuable input and knowledge. And I think there's times, again, like I was saying earlier, like we in our heads think, oh, I can pull this shot off, like no problem, 10 out of 10. But the reality is you're maybe going to pull it off three out of 10, right? So that's kind of where the caddy comes in and tries to talk to you a little bit. So that's where like you as a player want to do something and feel something, but then it might not be the smartest play at that moment. Mm. Again, just a cool balance and, and dance that, that we have to have with, with our caddies and, and the people in our team because they need to know when you've actually got it, right? Like. There's shots that I've hit that my caddy, like after I hit them, he's like, I don't know how you've done that, right? But he's like, I, I felt that you were gonna hit the shot. You were gonna hit the perfect shot. You like were gonna do it. Like after a poor shot? After, after a great, like, you know, it's or if I'm in shot. trouble and I just see, you know, oh, like this crazy shot that Got I've it. come up with in my head and he'll be like, okay, like you see it, you're clear. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, he's like, okay, love it, let's go, yep. right? But then if, if he sees that I'm tentative or if he sees that I'm asking too many questions, he'll be like, okay, hey, let's back off here, let's reassess, let's think about it again. So, like, that's where I think it's, it's the cool part about for us having a caddy because you can have somebody to be like, hey, yeah. hold up, let's just punch out, try to get it up and down from there. Worst we're going to get is a bogey and we're yep. going to be okay, right? Yep. So, yeah, it's a very interesting dance that and, and fine line that that we have but again i mean i think that's the beauty of the sport and at least for me like those situations are like the ones i get most excited about and, and trying to pull off a shot or trying to if you've had a bad start just kind of restart your brain and and get going and uh, it's a fun challenge i think the funny thing about golfers is is we all think we know what's best for us. But a lot of times we don't. A lot of times there's so much misinformation. We think we know what to work on in their swing. We think we know what equipment to play. We think we know what shaft we need. We think we know what loft our driver should be. We think we know what ball we should play. 
we think we know the size of our glove and what glove we should play, right? But is there a size that's actually a better fit for you? I talked to the founders of our friends at Red Rooster Golf, and actually it blew me away when they told me that they carry gloves in up to 34 sizes. 34. Could you hear me? 34 sizes. It's crazy. Most golfers never even heard or considered a cadet size, which is slightly shorter fingers and a wider palm. Now, my buddies have made fun of me. They're like, oh, you got short fingers. You know what that means? But cadet size gloves actually fit me better because I don't know. My, my wife jokes to me. I've got these like huge pads in my palms. I have really wide palms. So cadet gloves actually fit me better, which I didn't know until I learned about it. So head over to redroostergolf.com. Maybe consider moving down a size or even into a cadet size. Apparently, a lot of people are playing gloves too big for them. See if you can find a better fit. Free shipping and free exchanges until you can get fit properly. So go to redroostergolf.com. Use code TRAIN20 for 20% off. And get yourself a glove that fits you better. Because the glove that fits better performs better. And it lasts longer. All right, let's get back to the show. I don't know if you've seen the story of Brian Cooper. He's on the Champions Tour mm -hmm. and he's 55 years old and he just got his card in Q School going into this season. So wow. this is his first okay. full status. That's like the hardest um, tour to get into. Is it? Yeah. Like I think tour school for the Champions Tour gives like one or two spots and that's it. Everybody else is like wow. PGA Tour legends. Yeah. So, so it's, it's funny even you say that. more impressive. So he came on the show and he said, you know, constantly getting in his own way, he struggled with depression. And then he told me that during Q school, mm -hmm. he told his caddy, just give me one number. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me what you think it's playing. Don't tell me yeah. the actual, don't tell me adjusted. Tell me the number that you want me to hit to and okay. where you want to hit it. Yeah. And he'd say, 155, right side of the green. Okay. Boom. There you go. And he played the entire Q school like that. And that's, that's how wild. he finally got his card. So it's kind of similar to what you're saying. It's yeah. not about adding on. It's about stripping away. Yes. Yeah. I think it's, it's so easy to, especially again, with like the books that we have today and the technology and the knowledge and videos and the track man and like all these things like it is so easy to just have an overload of information that while that can be super helpful for some players like i think for the majority of us it's not yeah it's it's managing how can you get some of that information because it's very valuable you know for your coach or for your caddy but have them kind of keep it and then you just go ahead and hit shots right like that's I, I had a good practice round today and my caddy just kind of looked at me and he's like, hey, let's just go play golf on Thursday. Like it's never perfect. It's never like, you know, beautiful in the sense that like it has no flaws. Like it's, it's golf and it's going to be ugly sometimes and you're going to make it work and it's going to be pretty sometimes and you're going to make it work. Like he's like, let's just like forget about everything else and just go and play golf. And so that's, that's going to be our challenge for the week. Just trying Do to go and play golf. <laughs> Do you think that that's what you got away from these last few events? Because I know yeah. coming off a few cuts, I know you had kind of an emotional ending to the event in Arizona. Yeah. What was, were you trying too hard? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely just get in my own way. And I think that the better you get, the harder it is to like forgive yourself at times. Mm. Last week, our, our first major, like I had, Monday through Wednesday, like I'd never felt before, you know, coming on to first round of a tournament, like just such good preparation. I was rested, I was ready, hitting every single shot that I wanted to hit on the range, on the course, putting it well, chipping it well. I'm like, okay, you know, like it's, it's gonna be such a great week. The, the course was a great setup for me as well, like all these things. And then I go to Thursday and like, I think I made like five bogeys in the first six holes or seven holes. Wow. And you're like, like I did, I think I had two greens on the front nine. And you're like, like what, what happened? You know, like, it's not like 
I forgot how to play right. from my warm up to today to, right. to now or from my practice round to now. And, and it's definitely just, yeah, like trying too hard, not forgiving myself fast enough for, for a poor shot or a poor decision and just kind of lingering with it a little too long. And, and it definitely, you know, with the amount of quality players that we have out here, you, you just can't do that. You know, we right. like you'll do it at home and you can get away with it. Maybe, you know, you'll still make a couple more birdies and like beat your friend that you're playing against at home. But here, like you make a couple bogeys and like you're losing three or four strokes on the field. Um, so I think as a professional, like it, it is frustrating because, you know, you're so much better than what you're actually playing. Yeah. And, and you actually have data to back that up, you know, right. not just like a, like I see it with my brothers. They're like, oh, I'm hitting it so bad today. Like I'm better than this. And I'm like, dude, you never practice. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like you can't say that. Right. But I'm like, I, I know I can do better than, you know, how I've been doing. And, and I think it's just kind of reminding yourself of that when you're out on the course uh, over and over again. Like, I think it's, it's just so important. So then what do you attribute that experience to last week and that, that slow start? Do you attribute that to expectations because you were trending so well and mm -hmm. it was, you know, the biggest stage? Do you think you were trying not to make mistakes early and trying, like, what was happening in those first six holes? I definitely think there's, there's a huge part of just expectations and expectations and like hope at the same time you know yeah. like i think when when you prepare so hard for something and you prepare so well for something uh it's it's our nature to expect to do well right and i think if if at the first few holes you don't quite see that like at least to me it just kind of like threw me off and again got me to thinking instead of feeling and mm. and i think it just it was very hard for me to restart and go back to just having good positive feels like I was telling myself to feel something mm. instead of just feeling it so I think that's I started to like get technical I never get technical instead of you know walking together with my caddy and like talking and trying to figure out together I like either walk ahead or walk behind and like I'm thinking all these things instead of feeling them you know I'm thinking like okay you gotta feel relaxed you gotta just watch your breathing for a minute, like trying to do like all the grounding exercises, you know, that like I've yeah. worked on and, and meditation and with my psychologist and stuff. And again, it's just all so forced. Nothing was coming natural that, right. yeah, it was just difficult to, to get back to ground and, and be able to start again. So I think it's like, yeah, just something that I, I need to continue to work on because it's it's gonna happen again you know like right. i think bad shots are gonna happen couple bogeys on the first few holes can and will happen yeah and and it's just look at john rom yeah Masters. yeah four putt yeah. and then you know he he went on to win so it's yeah it uh yeah it's just kind of getting out of your own way a little faster than than everybody else and i think that's what makes the difference in the long run to who's holding the trophy on sunday so needless to say, you probably weren't having much fun in those first six holes? No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> it uh, kind of reminds me of something an author has said on our show, which he said, he, he writes mindfulness books and different mm -hmm. things, and he said, it's kind of like, if you can't focus, it's easy to be like, focus, focus harder. Yeah. But the only way to focus harder is to remove distractions. Yeah. You know, you can't actually get yourself to focus. To fo yeah kind of like you just can't get yourself to feel. to feel. You just have to yeah. kind of, I love what you said about you caught yourself thinking, not mm -hmm. feeling. That could be a great, sounds like a great key for you where yeah. you can like pick up on it and yeah. say, oh, I'm getting into that old pattern. Yeah. Let's get back to what I do best, which yeah. is feeling. And, and I think for me too, like there's so many thoughts, right? That we have yep. positive, negative. And, and I think it's just, also for me like choosing what thoughts like are actually beneficial for me to hold on to and what thoughts are just like you know i just need to watch them flow down the stream and let them right. go right? right like if if i'm getting tense and i'm seeing oh crap like there's 
OB to the right and, and you know, water on the left, like, and I, I've just pulled my driver on the last, like, and I'm getting tense, like, and I'm starting to think, like, oh, like, don't hit it left. Well, that's a thought that, like, has a lot of power, mm -hmm. but it, it's not going to do me any good instead. And then if I happen to have another thought that's, like, okay, like, just focus on that tree through the fairway or whatever it is, like, okay, that's a positive thought. Like, that's a powerful thought that is actually going to help me get closer to where I want to be. Mm. And and I think that it's so much easier to hold on to a negative thought, unfortunately, than it is to a positive one. But but I've yeah, just been working a lot on on being aware of what I'm thinking, when I'm thinking it, and and only trying to grab, you know, the the good things and, and so focus on to where you want to go. Yeah. Not where you want to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two, like, focusing on where I want to go and not where I've been, you know? Like, it mm. doesn't matter if I started with six bogeys. Like, I still have 12 holes left. I still can make another six birdies or eight birdies or who knows? Like, mm -hmm. so I think just kind of letting go and, again, just feeling one thing at a time. Like, I think for me, any time that I do good, like, that's where I'm the best at. Like, yeah. just letting go fast and, and getting back to feeling confident, feeling like I've got it and, and not questioning any of that. Yeah. So how would you describe your relationship with the mental game? I mean, it, it sounds like you've done a lot of work with it. You just referenced something that clearly that has a huge impact of going from Monday to Wednesday mm -hmm. to Thursday because you didn't forget how to hit the ball. Yeah. What is your relationship with, your, with the mental game and how, what do you work on with your coach specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think right now it's it's definitely um, the the weaker link uh, in in my game. I mean, and and it's weaker and strongest at the same time in a way. Like I think there's days that I just you know can't seem to hit a golf shot, but I I keep myself in it and I keep fighting and I keep somehow putting myself in in a place where I can continue to score so you know that's where like my mental strength comes in but to begin with I shouldn't have hit it the way I was hitting it you know like I've been hitting it so well and kind of I sometimes keep myself from accessing like that my talent or my however many golf balls that I've hit during the week and have hit them perfect like those are still there, that swing's still there. And, and having access to that on command like, is, is where I've struggled a little bit the last few tournaments, last couple of months. And, and I think like, I'm always kind of trying to play catch up. And I've been good at catching up, but you know, it's, it's just not enough. Like, I have to just be able to just start and, and go. So it's a fun relationship I guess right now with with the mental game where like I am so confident over the ball sometimes and then just feel like I've never played golf before yeah again just be very honest about where I'm at where my head's going and and be able to kind of talk to my psychologist about it talk to my coach about it talk to my caddy about it and be like hey I'm like super nervous or I'm anxious I don't know, sometimes like I'm emotional for whatever reason, you know, like for, for us women, like if, if you have your period, like that has a huge yeah. impact in, in your day to day and, and like physical pain, but then also yeah. like emotionally, you're different. I've learned this from my wife. Yes, I've learned a lot about yes. it. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, you have to be very vulnerable with the people around you, I think, yeah. to continue to grow. And I think I've, I've learned to, to do a better job of that and, and I've seen it pay off and, and I'm excited for it to pay off uh, of course with a trophy but just with good feels on the golf course and I think good feels are going to lead to yep. an ultimate trophy at the end of the day. I would guess that our listeners might think that the ladies on the LPGA tour would never feel uncomfortable hmm. or nervous yeah. or worried about you know where the ball is going because there just seems to be so much consistency, mm -hmm. you know, in the game. Yeah. And so what do you lean into when you're feeling nervous and 
you feel like you just don't have it? Like, do you have a go-to game plan where physically you can play kind of a go-to shot, fairway mm -hmm. finders, knockdowns, mm -hmm. and then how do you then, if so, how do you pair that with your mindset for that day? Do you accept that maybe yeah. you, it's a grind day? Yeah, I mean, I think even in, in your warm-up, like, I personally like to shape shots a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, and sometimes I'll be warming up and I'll be trying to hit a draw and I can't hit it, you know, and I'll hit a fade and I'll hit it just fine. Or I'll try to hit a little bit higher and it'll come out good. But then I try to knock it down a little bit and I just seem to like struggle with my starting line. So then I'm like, okay, you know, like today, a fade is easier than a draw mm -hmm. and a higher ball flight is where I'm most comfortable, right? Okay. And I'm okay with that, you know? I'm not trying to force a draw. I'm not trying to force a deeper trajectory. Yeah. It's just, you know, my body's not there today. And, and I think it's very important to acknowledge that and be okay with like doing something that might be slightly different to what you're used to, instead of constantly trying to fight and make it work the one way you want it to work, right? Because yeah. we, we were talking earlier, like we had three to five perfect shots around. So like it never goes the way we want it to go. Right. You know, you're always in some capacity, like failing. You know, it's you're not hitting the shots you want. They're ending up okay, but it's not how you'd pictured it. It's not how you drew it up. So I think for me, it's very important to kind of recognize that early on in the round and mentally know that that's okay. Like mentally know and allow myself or forgive myself and say, you know, today, uh, even if you absolutely want to hit a draw, you can try, but if it doesn't quite work out like it's okay yeah maybe let's just try to hit a fade and know that you're comfortable there sounds like a lot of acceptance yeah like you just kind of have to accept you, what you, you got do. today you have yes. to accept the shot yeah and you know i mean short you, you know like short memory and two like if if you hit it offline and you like again it's it's so much easier said you know today than, yeah. than when you're out on the course and actually doing it but like if you hit a shot online like getting angry over it is not going to change the lie you're, that you're going to have. It's not right. going to change the fact that you missed it 30 yards right or 30 yards left. Like, it's already done. Like, it's so much better to just be like, okay, like, shit happens, you know? Yep. Like, let's try to figure it out from there. And, and I think that whenever we're able to do that, um, it, it's whenever we, you know, just play our best. And I think just forgiving yourself for not being perfect, as crazy as perfection might sound on the golf game, like, it, you know, I, I think it's it's such a big thing. And, and again, I think the person who forgives and forgets the most is the one hosting the trophy on Sunday. Uh, all of us are amazing ball strikers. All of us can putt, all of us can hit it. You know, I think at the end of the day, the difference is is all in the mental game and and who yeah just kept it together and and went through through the struggles a little bit better yeah so when you said you feel like you were playing catch-up did you mean literally like you start slow and then feel like you have to try and make something happen later in the round versus starting off solid and kind of keeping your foot on the gas yeah, uh, I think that, but then also like with the way you feel, like I think mm. like confidence comes from confidence in a way. Like, you know, if you start with like two or three birdies in the first few holes, like you're going to walk a little bit taller, <laughs> like yeah. whether you like it or not, you know, yeah. like, so I think I say play catch up where like you're just kind of starting slow and, and you're catching up to where you want to be and where mm. you, how you want to feel which also relates to scores, right? Yep. Like, I think the better you feel, the usually the scores tend to be a lot better as well. So, yeah, like, I think... So you're saying almost start the round as if you're three under. It's, yeah. Like, like have I, the demeanor, yeah. act as if you're already yeah, in the lead. Yeah, just walk a little bit taller. And, yeah. and I try to remind myself that, like, I always try to hit a few putts before I, I go out and... Like, I don't know, make two or three like 
five to seven footers and, and just feel good, feel good about my putting stroke or on the range, just like, okay, let's play this, the first hole, like let's hit driver down this side and then we're probably gonna have a pitch and wedge in. Just hit that and, you know, hit two go good good shots and you're like, okay, like I've got this. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I got the number, I got the ball fight, I, I, I feel good, I'm happy with where I'm at and I think transitioning that to, to the golf course is the hardest but easiest you know, thing yeah. at the same time because yeah. you you almost like you said just have a head start in in the way you feel and and you can just kind of transition onto the golf course. So let's talk about pressure for a second. Yeah, I've got three examples for you. Okay. Which event did you feel the most pressure in? Okay. Your pro debut at a U.S. Open, mm -hmm. which you finished twelfth at. Yeah. By the way, pretty good <laughs> debut at a major. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> The women's amateur at Augusta National, mm -hmm. which has been talked about widely, you finished runner-up, and then representing your country at the Tokyo Olympics. All very uh, special in, yeah. in their own way, but by far the Olympics. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Tell I, me why. I have tears in my eyes right now. It's just it at home. Like we we grew up watching the Olympics, and we love sport. And I think for an athlete, there's no bigger stage than the Olympics. With golf, of course, that's kind of a new, you know, event yeah. that we get to play every four years. But, but for me, like, I grew up watching the Olympics. I grew up, like, loving to represent Mexico and wanting to represent Mexico one day at the Olympics and getting to do it and I, I was the first group out the first day and I was actually playing with a Japanese girl um, so we had a bunch of the volunteers because of course we couldn't have crowds but all of the volunteers that were on property were there watching this Japanese girl tee off and I was next and my only worry was similar to, to Augusta on the first tee but just being able to put the tee on the ground and hold my ball on the tee, you know, because I was just shaking. like shaking so bad. Yeah. And I had great tee shot, hit it to like 15 feet, made the putt for birdie. And I literally had tears on my eyes, even now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, very special. That's awesome. <laughs> so do you believe that pressure is real? Or do you think it's just something we tell ourselves? Um, I think it's real if you want it to be real, I guess. Yeah, I think pressure is great, honestly. Like, I think it, it shows that you care. It shows that you want to do good. Um, and honestly, like, I think pressure is awesome. I think the thing that keeps athletes and people in general from achieving great things is not pressure, but expectations, like we were talking before. Like, I yeah. think pressure makes you work harder almost I think mm -hmm. I, I, I think yeah like I think pressure is a, a beautiful gift that like I don't know that we have like yeah. I, I think it's it's awesome like I I look back to those three tournaments that you just called out and you know like I have a huge smile and I'm in my head like thinking about uh, making the cut on the line at the US Open and then going deep in the weekend and how we played at Augusta and like that birdie at the Olympics literally just made me cry. Yeah. You know, so it's just, uh, and yeah, I was, I was scared and I was, you know, anxious and, and feeling all sorts of things, but it, it was only because I wanted to do good and because I knew I could do good. And yeah, like for the Olympics, you just have a whole country cheering you on. And, and I think it's, it's so special. Like if, for me, if, if I could only win one time as a professional, I, I would 100% hope that, that it's a gold medal mm. uh, at Olympics. So hopefully it's more than one win, but yeah. <laughs> that I get one at the Olympics, yeah. It sounds like that's a pretty cool thing. We talked about acting as if. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty cool thing to kind of keep in your memory bank. Yeah. And like lean into the feels of it, because like, Think about how impactful one birdie, and this was years ago, yeah. <laughs> has on you. Yeah. And then 
almost like could you pour yourself into every hole every week yeah. and you know feeling that way feel or, that yeah. same i mean that's hard to do obviously that's the peak of the peak is representing mm -hmm. your country but it sounds like that's you know was a really impactful maybe yeah. one of the best moments of your career yeah 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 i mean i think it, yeah, it was just something I had dreamed of for, for so long and seeing it happen was wild. So talk me through, because there, I just laid out some, tr some patterns there, right? <laughs> We've got the debut, yeah. you made the cut on the number, and then it's like, okay, I belong here, yeah. let's win this thing, and you finish almost a top 10 your first event at a major. Same thing, you felt nervous, first hole Olympics, birdie. So what can the amateur player learn from what you told yourself and what you leaned on? Because like you said, you felt nervous. Yeah. You, you felt all the feels, the pressure, mm -hmm. but you had to go back to something yeah. that allowed you to perform regardless of the brightest lights and the biggest moments. Mm -hmm. So what can the average player learn that you lean into in those moments? I think for me is trusting, you know, that one, I belong here, right? Like I, I earned the spot that I have at the US Open or at the Olympics or playing at Anwa for the first time in the inaugural year or having a tour card. Like I've earned all of these things. Nobody gifted me anything, right? So yeah. I think for me, a lot of it is is you're you're good enough to be here like you know just go out and and show yourself that not even like prove to anybody else but just show yourself that yeah that you do belong that that yeah. you are worthy of of being here and and i think for me like whenever i just kind of let go of of the stigma of what are you doing here or like you shouldn't be here or you're not good enough to be here it's like no, hold on, like I am, yeah. you yeah. know, like I, I really am good enough to be here and, and I've shown myself that I am. So uh, you're moving out of doubt into belief it, yeah. and confidence, Be like even if you don't in, feel it, it yes, you're reminding yourself really of it. just really telling myself that because yeah. again, like I think so many times you, you don't feel that way, but, but I think I, you have to be reminded of that and, yeah. and I think for, for us, I have an amazing support system behind me, like of course starting with my family and, and closest friends, but my coaching staff and my caddy in, in the course, and, and that's like his biggest job. Yeah. And, and the thing he has to repeat the most is like, hey dude, like you're damn good, like let's go. It's just like I said before, like let's just go play golf and, and it's gonna be okay. Yeah. You know, and, and at the end of the day, like, what happens here especially for amateurs like what happens on the golf course like it doesn't matter like they right. still have their job they still have right. you know their family and for us too like we're still healthy i'm leaving my dream yeah i've missed a couple cuts and it, it sucks you know it's not like you don't care right. but but i think just having some perspective as well and all these amateurs are out there to have fun like you know you're not you're going out to the course because you want to be there. So right. just take advantage of, of that want and, and just yeah. go enjoy it. I think it. this is really important. I'm going to challenge the listener because I think it's easy for a listener to hear you say, I earned it, I belong here. And they're thinking, well, yeah, of course. Like yeah. you're one of the best players in the world. But I think the key for them though is, yeah, but you have doubts too. Yeah, so for sure. They, oh, for sure. We think that we like deserve to feel the doubt because we're quote not as good. Yeah, or you don't but, practice as Or we much, don't practice or, or but it, you yeah. know, we're hitting it OB and, yes. and all this stuff. But I think what you're saying is, is that that feeling is gonna pop up whoever you are. Yeah, it doesn't so matter. So you have to convince yourself yeah. that you can hit it. Yeah. And two, I think like, again, for, for an amateur, like in a way, like you earned your time off from work or whatever, right. you know, to go and play 18 with with your guy friends or with your girlfriends or whatever it is like so i think like that's also kind of a, a cool way of looking at it that like hey let's just come out here have some fun let's if you like to have a few drinks when you're playing have a few drinks 
I have friends who like mezcal, like to, maybe. Yeah, mezcal, <laughs> smoke a cigar, yeah. whatever the heck you like to do. If you like to drink water, then drink water. I don't know, but you know, like just it's supposed to be fun, and, and it is a game. And yep. I think uh, having that like childlike mentality of just doing things for fun, it's it's the biggest gift and the biggest flex, <laughs> I yeah. think. You know that that you 100%. can have. Yeah. So, a little bit of a lighter question. I know we're almost at time. We talked about Augusta. I got to ask an Augusta question because yeah. I went for the first time last year. It was amazing. If you went back and you could only play one hole 18 times in a row. Oh, that's a good question. What okay. hole at Augusta National would you play 18 times? That's a hard one. I would say either 11 or 15. Okay. I think 11 is I the love 11. best hole on the course. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I think, especially from the back, I think it's it's one of the hardest before they redid it. But I think it was just one of the hardest tee shots that the guys had all year to then not only have that, but then you have to hit one of the hardest second shots. Yeah. You know, onto yeah. that green that slopes towards the water, the fairway slopes towards the water as well. So everything wants you to hit it left, right, while it's a, you know, you have a good amount of space. It's not a great place to be either. And I just think it's such a good golf hole. And 15, it's just fun. You know, yeah. 15, just hitting driver and then hitting it over the onto water. the green, over yeah. the water. Like, I, I don't think many shots get more fun than, than that. I was surprised how much I love two. Two is a lot of fun. I love like big downhill like slope, sloping yes. holes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fun second shot too, like yeah. trying to get it in between yeah. the bunkers and onto the green and yeah. Do you think, because you've mentioned feel, not technical, having fun, hitting shots, do you think that that is one of the reasons, kind of like Jordan Speeds talked about, where you never have a, a flat lie and you're having to create yeah. shots? Do you think that's one yeah. of the reasons why you played well there? I think so, yeah. I, I think Augusta definitely challenged you to move the ball both ways off the tee, especially left to right, which for a lot of the girls, that's a harder shot to hit. Yep. Like, you know, it, so it's, it's a fun challenge. And then to some of those greens, like even chipping, like you would hear some of the guys, like they're trying to hit a draw on a chip to get like spin off like right. one of these crazy right. slopes and like all these things and you're like you're chipping like yeah. it's and you know even then you still have to play around and, and be super creative um and it's yeah it really makes you connect with with your feel and and your instincts and in the player in in all of us you know yeah. and, and i think yeah that's why i enjoyed it so much and uh i've gotten lucky to play a couple more times and after that and yeah i've loved it amazing uh, yeah both times as well so i gotta ask you about your golf ball for a second because i just shot a video with chris trot Trotty. Oh, yeah he says hi by the way thank you um last week and we just posted it today and it was cool because for me you know i'm a mid single digit handicap i've never understood the difference between mm -hmm. the ball that i play other than it zips back on an approach shot or it yeah. stays at my pitch mark. Yeah. And so I finally got to learn. We, he, he fit me. We did a oh, that's on awesome. the golf course, golf ball fitting, no track man with a TP5, TP5X and a tour response. Okay. And now that I've learned a little bit about the differences of the ball, I'm curious what ball you play and how you went about choosing that. I play the TP5X. Okay. And for and is that me, for distance and less spin? It's or? a little less spin. And uh, I spin it a lot with my driver. Yep. Um, so I think players either choose their ball because of their wedges or because of their driver. Irons are usually somewhat similar. Like I think the biggest difference you see, of course, with the driver with more speed. Yep. And then with the wedges because you have more spin. Now let's reflect on what Maria just said, okay? She said something I haven't heard. Pro players on tour either pick a ball based on their driver, less spin, fly farther, or with their wedges, less spin, one-stop hop, more spin, bring it back, right? Depending on how they like to flight and hit their wedges. 
I think this was fascinating. And you guys, I would push you to go to our new YouTube channel, search the par train golf ball fitting on YouTube. It'll pop right up with Trotty Golf, who we had on the show about a month back from TaylorMade. And we do an entire breakdown on figuring out, can I tell the difference between all the TaylorMade golf balls? And how would I figure out what golf ball I should play with no track man, just like you could do out on the course. We'd go out on the course, test it around the greens. We test it with a wedge, a four iron, and a driver. There's two parts to this episode. I want you guys to watch those videos and figure out what ball is best for you. Okay. I learned a lot about the spin and I was actually shocked. I thought I was a tour response guy and I learned in this video that I'm not. So tap the link in our show notes. You can get a buy three, get one dozen free TP5, TP5X. There's also tour responses in that link as well. So tap those links, get yourself some new golf balls. They're the best on the market. Watch the video on our YouTube to figure out which ball is best for you. All right, let's get back to Maria Fossey. For me, like a ball that's a little bit softer, like the X or even the tour response, like was too spinny off the tee. Mm. And while I was still getting distance, it was just not a ball fight that I liked. So that was kind of how I went there, but I still get enough feel around the greens and enough spin with my wedges to where I'm not like wanting to go play the five and not the five X. Yep. So that's, uh, yeah, I've played it for probably like five or six years now. I played it in college as well. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, just really like that ball. And I know you've played a couple questions and we'll let you get back to oh, your prep. Um, you played golf with Annika Sorenstam. Mm -hmm. I forget if it was a little, was it a year, year or two ago? Yeah, 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 probably, yeah, two years ago. Curious what you learned from playing with the GOAT. Because uh, we had her coaches, her former coaches she's... on the podcast, Lynn and Pia. Oh, that's, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we just, I've heard some great stories about her. She's, so. she's awesome. Like, I think, and, and I see it with Lorena as well. Anytime I play for fun with her in Mexico, they want to win at everything. Hmm. They are just like so competitive, competitor. just like one is the only number they see, you know? Like I think the, their drive and like how hungry they are to win, I think is, is beyond like something that you can even explain. Mm. So I think like their drive, again, even today, like after years of being retired, like they still have it. And, and it's just such a powerful, Thing to witness I think but then golf wise like she's just smarter than everybody else you know like she'll bomb a driver over you but then like hit it to the fat part of the green if she can make a 30 footer she'll make it if not you know it's an easy par mm. while you're trying to sneak it into a flag and then you hit it in the bunker and you're short-sighted and then you make a bogey and she just made an easy par stress-free yeah. You know, so it's a cool combination of like having this immense drive to succeed with like just a lot of brains. So it's, mm. um, yeah, I think Sounds a, like a, a super powerful, too. yeah, a super powerful combination of trusting when to go and when to hold. And, and I think it's as good as it gets, clearly. How does that compare to your experience playing with Rory and meeting Rory? Um, it's similar. Like, I think. I, I actually had a super cool conversation with Rory a few years ago where he got very personal and sharing a lot of his own stories and struggles. And I think it's, it's cool to see, again, even for me as a professional, like you think that the guys like are so much better or they don't struggle or they don't feel the same way that we do, but kind of seeing him be vulnerable with me and, and just kind of share some stories and tell me that, you know, like, kind of validate the, the way I was feeling was was very special. And again, like, I think he's a player that wants to go at every pin if he can. Yep. But then he also understands that sometimes you just need to have a easy two putt par and, right. and move on. Yep. So I think that, like you said, just discipline, I think it's also one of the factors that that makes them so so different and so much better than than everybody else. And they, they're gonna be players that we're gonna remember, you know, for years to come. Yeah. So yeah, definitely awesome role models and yeah, examples to, to try to follow. 
Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one to have for yeah. sure. Anything we didn't talk about that you think our listeners could use hearing that they should know, or is there anything we talked about that you think you really want to hit home and leave our listeners with and reiterate before we go? Yeah, I mean, I think we we spend some time talking about it, but just like the importance of kind of being confident and comfortable on the course and understanding that, like we said, you know, like everybody struggles in their own way and the it's everybody like choosing is, confidence. Yeah, I think is yes. what I hear from you. Yeah, and and also acknowledging that sometimes it's harder to feel confident than other days, and and that's okay. Right, like yep. I think sometimes it's going to be a bigger challenge than, than others, and uh, I think understanding that it's a working progress constantly mm. kind of gives you a, a broad just perspective into things and allows you to kind of have an open mind and an open heart and just kind of embrace the challenge a little bit better. So, yep. so yeah, I think we're all more similar to each other than I think most people think. Love so, that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for hopping you. aboard the train. Love it. Thank at you. Maria Fossey one yes. on yes. Instagram. Uh huh. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Hit the subscribe <laughs> button and uh, yeah, thanks so much awesome. for hopping aboard. We'll be cheering you. you on this week. I appreciate that. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> hey guys, this is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called the Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to the Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.